This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Um, felt good. That was a great play. Studied hard all week and I was prepared for it. So, um, nothing I did today was a surprise to me, but I got a lot to work on. So, uh, get started on that. I'm not here to prove anybody wrong. I'm here to prove myself right. Now I don't worry about what other people have to say because I, but I think that affect the way I play. That is CJ Henderson. What a performance in his NFL debut. Listen. It was a lukewarm pick at number nine. If that was the temperature, I would say, for the Jags fan base, I'm not going to lie, it was a temperature for me. Mm-hmm. I think it was a temperature for even people who watched him week in, week out for the Florida Gators. Teams started to really like him late in the draft process and started to climb more boards. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Ohio State kid? Oh, Detroit took him? Jeff Akuda. 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 Yeah. So... But some people said, hey, wait a minute now. I remember on draft, like, hey, C.J. Anderson, Jeff Akuda, gap's not as far as people think it is. Yeah. In fact, some talk that some people might take Henderson before Akuda. Yeah. Now, that was just probably draft smoke. Bottom line is, C.J. Henderson came to play. C.J. Henderson had some weird moments on social media in the month of August. Mm-hmm. Missed some time. But the bottom line is, when it counted on Sunday in his rookie debut, came to play. Interception. Some pass breakups. How about the two tackles he made? I mean, big-time tackles, and corners always get doubted for their tackling ability. Yeah. Heck of a performance. Bottom line is this. We'll talk more about each one of them. Who had your favorite rookie performance yesterday? You have several candidates. C.J. Henderson, James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, and maybe more. Colin Johnson caught a pass and then did a backflip as they were in the victory formation. <laughs> you saw that. <laughs> Impressive for being 6'6", six, six, man. Yeah, he can do it. It can't be easy. I'd break my neck in a heartbeat. Who had the best performance in your mind or at least the one that you liked the most? I mean, listen, uh, Henderson, I thought, played very well. You know, And to be fair, he has the most pressure. He's the first-round pick. He's replacing Jalen Ramsey. But I like the James Robinson performance. Right now, he didn't go over 100 yards, and that's fine. But, like, to me, the James Robinson performance showed that, you know what, maybe there is a method to the madness with Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell. You know, maybe what they do tell us um, is in smoke and mirrors. Maybe, maybe they know a little something maybe, about football. No, no but, I mean, <laughs> listen, like, and I was the first one to say it. Letting go of Leonard Fournette for nothing and then saying James Robinson was going to be the starter kind of reminds me of, listen, are you guys really playing to win games? Now, I also said James Robinson was a heck of an FCS player, right? I mean, I talked to my guys from North Dakota State, and they swore by him, and I, and I trust what they got to say. But, like, still, I mean, I still had to see it to believe it, right? I mean, I still had to see him with live reps, and for the most part, they did well. I thought the hurdle what was a nice little touch at the at the end of that one play. So I like James Robinson because, yeah, C.J. Anderson had a hell of a game, but you know what? You're supposed to, man. You're your you're yeah. first pick. No, I, I get it, man. Like, it sometimes takes time to develop. I get that. But I wasn't expecting anything from James Robinson. Even with what Doug had to say and the had to say, this undrafted guy out of Illinois State, a firebird, I think, if you are. All I remember about Illinois State is they had a, a very rude fan base. They weren't really nice to me when we played there at Murray State my junior year. Okay? They may have poured some beer on me. Really? They beat us by like 40. Ugly, ugly game for the Murray State Racers. Just wasn't impressed with their fan base. We need to get James on. Yeah. We'll let him know about it a little bit. But with that being said, I think James Robinson was a nice, pleasant surprise that I did not see coming. Yeah. Uh, that's a good call. And 
and by the way, just to tack on one more thing of the James Robinson front, uh, a couple of things, actually, because I think he deserves more recognition and talk about. And we're going to talk about these rookies because, listen, the Jags needed to get some play from rookies, and they did. Yeah. Man, he's decisive hitting the hole. I can see that, right? He's he's He can hit and wiggle through a hole and then run you over a little bit. Mm-hmm. They had to really tackle him to bring him to the ground on first contact. Uh that stuff was good to see. I mean, it was impressive. And the offensive line deserves some credit. There were a couple of holes that were really big, but I thought he picked the right spot. And that's the big knock on Leonard over the years, right? Just go get the yards, man. You have too many negative runs. This guy, I think he had maybe one negative run. Yeah. I think that was it. Uh, he was on his way to another one, but then drew the face mask penalty. And then what I like about Robinson is in crunch time, because it was in the fourth quarter, they throw the screen pass to him, and he delivers on that 28-yard pass play. It was the hurdle, great, but it was a big play. It was an important play. So when you're delivering as a young guy important plays to win football games, well, heck yeah. I've got to believe – I, you've got plenty of options here. But I think C.J. Henderson does take it for me. C.J. Henderson, I think because of the lukewarm draft stock, because of the weird August – I don't view C.J. Henderson as replacing Jalen Ramsey, although that's what it essentially is. That's what it is. I don't view him that way because I think Ramsey's such a good player. Okay, sure. So I think it's almost like I'm asking – he's one of the best players I've seen come through here in my 12 years, and I'm going to ask the next guy that comes in as a rookie to be just like him. That doesn't work in sports, right? That, that's a hard thing to do. But he doesn't have to be Jalen Ramsey. It would be nice if he is yeah. in terms of his production. But he's got to be good. They picked him in the he top ten. He has to be 10. a DB1. He has to be good. And the Jags also have to hit on first-round picks. Well, after week one, is like, I see what they did there. Kind of like what you said about James Robinson, Doug and Dave, I see what you did there. Uh, you know, I can see that, too, after watching that game. Well, Dave Caldwell, scouting staff, you picked this guy number nine. I see what you did there. Big interception. Going up against T.Y. Hilton most of the day. He gets a break here or there because Hilton drops a pass, but he was good at chasing. His speed showed up when he lost the guy. He was able to close, and he makes two big tackles. And by the way, again, he makes game-changing plays. The interception's a game-changing play, but also the last ball goes his way, and he's in coverage, and it falls incomplete. Now, I guess T.Y. Hilton said he dropped that, and he didn't make a play, but he was close enough to make a play, so he at least disrupted the play. That means James Robinson, your guy, C.J. Henderson, my rookie of the week, if you will, for the Jags. Those are huge plays in the game. Mm-hmm. And you got to love that out of a team that is the youngest in the National Football League. Well, they're going to have some rookies, that's for sure. Yeah, when you're the youngest team, you got rookies. So let's go down the list a little bit more. Chason didn't do a whole lot, right? I didn't see much. Shots Obviously, the intercep- yeah, yeah. interception would have been big. And then I, you remember the play I'm talking yeah. about because I told you today on the golf course about this. Yeah. There was a play, at least from my press box view, that was – out in, to the to the Colts sideline, and there was a lot of grass, and it looked like Chason was kind of in the middle. It looked like he had dropped into coverage but didn't get all the way outside. So he's kind of like almost like monkey in the middle mm-hmm. uh, game being played, and there wasn't enough ground to catch up. Well, the ball gets completed, and they he chased it down, man. I think it might have been a three-yard play. Showed off his speed, mm-hmm. right? And so he got stuck in the middle of this play and was still able to recover. I see the speed that they're talking about. That's good. And then the interception. The hard thing about the interception, because the holding penalty on Hayden, would he have gotten the interception even without the hold? 
Yeah. I, I, it looked like he might have, but I don't know because Rivers maybe would have gone to Paris Campbell, right? Correct. So who knows on that play? Didn't see a ton from Chase on, if I'm being honest. But saw Flasher too, and almost made a huge play in the game with the pick. Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as the pass rushing, that that was, I don't want to say it was non-existent, but it was just, it, it was hard to leave that game excited, right? At the same time, though, and I brought this question up uh, to start the show off a little bit. Last year, it seems like the dialogue that we heard from Jaguars fans and also some of the coaches possibly was the fact that Josh Allen didn't get more reps. Right uh, on those base packages, you had Yannick Ngakwe, and then you had Clayus Campbell playing the big end, and then you had um, Josh Allen coming on like the third down stuff on on that like nickel defense, let's call it. Well, it seems like the same route's been taken now for Chase on. My question to you is, should they be doing that? You hear the question? It's okay. I'll bring it back. Okay. Oh, my bad. <laughs> You're uh, taking your time. Yeah, I was just trying to digest it. Uh, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, we, we, we left that season last year, Brett. We're thinking, man, should have got Josh Allen on the field yeah. a little more with Yannick Ngakwe. Imagine the combination. Like, they're too good not to be on the field. Well, Are we going to have that same conversation now with Chase on? I don't want to bail him out to this, but it's going to sound like a bail. That's why I was hesitating. Ah. Uh, see, the problem with, and I don't know the exact number, but Allen didn't play a lot of snaps in the second half mm-hmm. because of the cramps. Mm-hmm. So he went out for quite a bit. So would they have more? In those situations, I don't know. Would they? they obviously, they didn't maybe enough. I saw them in a little bit, but mm-hmm. not enough. Uh, so I don't really know how to answer that question completely because Allen was in and out of the game, uh, early out of the game, uh, when he went and got the IV, I assume, and had the cramps. And like even on a critical, on that critical stop, it was 27-20 or 24-20. On the first two downs, Allen wasn't in the game, but he came in on third down because I think they were a little concerned about the cramping. I and mean, once you start cramping in a game, it's tough to get rid of them. I don't, IVs are not. Um, so yeah, let's just say this. I think you're right. I hope they get on the field more, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't have the depth issues that, uh, not issues, but you don't have the depth that you had last year. Yeah. So you got to believe chase on shows enough to be able to get on the field more than some of the other guys they have on this roster. Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. The next guy, LaVisca Chenault. I, I almost picked LaVisca Chenault. He got a touchdown, man, his first game. Yeah. He had a whole entire team try to tackle him and still didn't go to the ground one time. Mm-hmm. He had the wildcat formation. I think he also ran another ball out of the backfield. He stood up a defender and a play down by the, the out of bounds by the sideline. Couldn't tackle him. Couldn't tackle him. Un- untackleable. Now, and also, oh, yeah, by the way, I saw a Chenault in motion because I remember tweeting about it. He comes in motion. Was it on the uh, Chark touchdown? It might have been. Mm-hmm. That he comes in motion, kind of so in a fake to him, like a screen pass, and then they found Chark in the end zone. I think it was that play. It might have been a little bit before. Mm-hmm. But he brought the creativity to the offense that we've been yearning for here in Jacksonville. So I thought LaVisca Chenault, although didn't have kind of the highlight jump out at you like C.J. Henderson and, and, and even uh, James Robinson, I thought he played a big role in that football game and he showed some signs of how they're going to use him which is fun yeah no absolutely and that was kind of the thing that we all had on our minds right is 
Jay Gruden in the past has had these kind of gadget plays for some of his guys. I mean, Jay Gruden is one of the very first guys to implement the Wildcat formation when he was in Cincinnati. When I have LaVisca Chenault, obviously a very dynamic player, very strong player, with that being said, I like what they're doing with LaVisca Chenault because at the end of the day, once again, what are you doing right now if you're the Tennessee Titans? you got to watch this film. you got to count for Garner Minshew. Right, you got to count now for James Robinson, and now we got to worry about all these little gadget plays that the Jaguars could have for Chenault. It's just it's an it's an extra entree, if you will, for defensive coordinators out there. Anytime you have that extra entree, it makes it harder to game plan for. Let me ask you this, Devon Hamilton. Did you see much out of him? It wasn't a guy that I really noticed a lot. If I'm being honest, I saw a first step. Okay, I saw a first step. I don't want to put him on the same lines of Marcel Darius quite yet, but I saw a first step. I saw. Um, glimpses of what could be a very special player, honestly. Um, because once again, you, you know how I operate, man. I The first thing I watch from the defensive line, being a defensive lineman myself, that's what I usually focus in on. I watch your get-off, and I watch how you are with your hands, your explosiveness. Hamilton has that. So I think at least in terms of depth, which is one of the biggest question marks this year in terms of depth of the defensive line, I think Hamilton's going to be just fine what he's been what he's being asked to do so far. Yeah, and by the way, I still have a very hard time getting used to seeing that. Uh, who is that? That's Devon Hamilton. Why is he wearing 52? I know, man. It was, he's fast <laughs> like a linebacker, it seems like. <laughs> it's a weird yeah. thing to no, see a guy that Jacobs? big. Who is that? We're yeah. number 52. For sure, for uh, sure. Let's keep going down the rookies real quick. Colin Johnson, uh, you got, got in there, but... I mean, we didn't see a whole lot, let's be we honest. We saw a backflip. The backflip was good, and apparently Doug Marone didn't love the backflip thing at the end of the game. Didn't like it? Uh, that's where, yeah, that's kind of what – I didn't listen to the Doug today because we're at the golf tournament, yeah. but I saw some rumblings about that okay. on social media. Uh, didn't love it, let's just say. Right. I love it. Have some fun. Brand, man. That's for the brand. Have some fun. You know the let's funny go. thing about the game? I saw, and I actually have video, and I haven't tweeted it out, but Timmy Jernigan, you know, there was some celebration at the end, of course. Well, yeah. Timmy Jernigan took like a victory lap. In the end zone, and he's he's like pumping it. I'm like, hey man, there's only like twelve fans over there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was like maybe it was his family or something. Yeah, sure. But Timmy Jernigan was having some fun. Stay on the rookies for a moment with me. Gotcha. The only got other it. one, and you can tell me if I'm missing somebody because there's so many of them. But I thought that Chris Claypool did a nice job at the corner spot. I think he's drafted to be a return man this year, but he had to be pressed into action. And I didn't see anything that was like, oh, oh boy, they're going to take advantage of this guy. And that's kind of what you want out of someone who comes in in that situation. Like, just hold the fort down. Yeah. And I thought he did a pretty good job of it. Um, so even that guy, seventh-round pick who you're not expecting, man, the rookies played well yesterday overall. I mean, you love to see it, right? Now, once again, you have the youngest team in the NFL. There definitely could be some rookies on that team, but... I think they got a lot of production, whether it's on special teams, even like um, Shaq Quarterman. He had a, I think he had a tackle or he had a good play on special team. Like, it seemed like every rookie got his name called at least once, and that's that's what you want to see. That's listen, th- this is the foundation now for the next three or four years. Like these guys that we're watching right here, and it's cool to see them whether on special teams or they're starting on offense and defense have success right away. Because let's be honest. If you had any excuse this year for rookies not to perform well, it's this year. It's COVID-19. It's no rookie minicamp. It's no OTAs, right? It's only a couple weeks with no preseason games. With that being said, I thought the rookies played pretty well. Now, once again, and I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but this is why I'm excited for the Tennessee Titans game because you're going to find out what you truly have in that locker room. It's not going to be you're going to get beat by a scheme here or a scheme there. You're not going to get out-schemed, at least on defense, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. What you are could, what could happen though is you could get outmanned. You could get outgunned. And with that being said, it's not so much of prepping yourself, you know, mentally, you prep yourself physically. 
Yeah, and it's going to be a physical one. It always is. Josh says, in a normal season, isn't the offense usually a little ahead of the defense in camp and early in preseason? I feel like that's what we're seeing here without a preseason. I think it can get better. Uh, I think it's just the opposite. Don't they usually say the defense is ahead Correct. of the offense? Absolutely. Because yeah. keep in mind, like, offense is all about timing, right? It's all about, you know, that connection, that communication. Well, it's hard to even get that even in practice because it's not full speed. You're not going against full speed defense. Well, in a game, the defense has advantage, so I disagree. Here's the best compliment to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I heard it last night in the Tampa game, or or somebody was analyzing the Tampa game. It was like Chris Mm -hmm. Sims or something. Like, hey, give it time. This is Tom Brady, new team, new people, new this, new that. They're going to take some time. They showed some signs. They're going to take some time to get it figured out. Whoa, 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 stop the car. This is a completely new roster in parts. Jay Gruden's a new offensive coordinator. Ben McAdoo's a new QB coach. Now, they do have some continuity in terms of their players on offense, but the Jags have a lot of new on their football team. Their offense looked pretty efficient and good. Not explosive, I wouldn't say, but efficient and good, and they were able to win a game. So I think it's a nice compliment. The excuse they're using for Brady and the Bucks struggling a little bit the Jags could use the same excuse. I mean, heck, probably a lot of teams could use that excuse. And instead, they end up getting a win over a team that, you know, listen, Phillip Rivers is new to the Colts. But outside of that, there's a lot of continuity on that football team, too. Sure. And you're taking a 17-year guy and putting him in. I think it was kind of a lame excuse, actually, for the Bucks and Brady. I think you got to be worried that Brady doesn't have it, and the Bucks are overrated more than anything else. You better believe it. Uh, it's nice to see players excited for the team and just excited for themselves, uh, Minshew Madness says. Uh, Clay, you guys mentioned you wish we hadn't traded Clays to the Ravens. The pick we got from the Ravens ended up being Colin Johnson. Could pay dividends for years to come. I get it. Could. I get it. Uh, it but we were talking in the context of right now. Correct. And obviously every week you could say Calais Campbell would help you more most likely than Colin Johnson right now. Uh, but you're not wrong uh, as we look at the total picture. A. Scott says, there were a couple of plays when Minshew was sacked while holding on to the ball for too long. Seemed like he had plenty of time to get rid of it. We saw that last year too. Any cause for concern? Uh, let's bring it back to Minshew a little bit because it's a Minshew Monday here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Every time the Jags win, it's a Minshew Monday. You better bring your bandanas. You better bring your aviators, your jorts. Show off the guns. And we need to, well, I do get some facial hair. I guess. <laughs> uh, shaved yesterday. Shouldn't have done that. But Minshew, did he hold the ball too long? Were there things that he could have done better? I saw Tyler Eifert on a couple of social media plays that people kind of tweeted back, one especially that he was wide open, but another one that even on the LaVisca Chenault touchdown that Eifert looked open. And I'm not saying Gardner missed him. That's more of a compliment to Eifert. He got open a few times, which is also very nice. Uh, But It's good to have options of people getting open. It would be interesting to see on the tape as Minshew watched today, okay, what did I miss? What did I? Could I have done even better? Even though it's a completed pass, could I have gone somewhere else? When I tucked and ran a little bit, or I thought he backed into a sack a little bit, and and that was more instinct. If he had stepped up instead, it probably would have worked out better for him. Um, Again, we're being really nitpicky on Minshew, man. The guy went 19 for 20 and led to a win with three touchdowns. If he held the ball a little bit too long, he might have. Uh, he's not going to be perfect. Well, yeah. if, if he didn't miss the guy instead of hit this guy, well, at least it was still complete. I thought he was sensational on third downs. In big spots, he delivered in the clutch on third downs, and he took care of the ball. You could tell he knew the situation. He knew Josh Lambeau was there, right? He knew Josh Lambeau doesn't miss. And so he said, you know what, I'm not going to take a chance here. I'm getting down. I'll get a yard pickup or two, and that's it, and we'll kick a field goal. Listen, if Minshew could have some of those sacks back, he definitely would, right? The, the internal clock probably should have gone up a little 
sooner, probably should got rid of the ball. And it's something he had an issue with last year, right? And the last thing we want to see is like a Jameis Winston. You hang on the ball, you turn the ball over, and you become a detriment to your team. With that being said, though, I would rather have the backyard make a play happen, Gardner Minshew, with that, who takes a couple sacks every once in a while, at least he has ball security, over a guy who gets gun shy and throws the ball away and tries not to extend the plays. Because I guarantee the guys in that locker room right now, they want the backyard player who tries to make plays happen even when it crumbles a little bit. That's who the players want in that team, and that's who I want to see as well. So if it's going to sacrifice a couple sacks here or there, maybe a turnover you know, in a couple games, so be it. I would rather have that than a guy who's just not comfortable in the pocket, throws the ball away right away, and leaves stuff on the table. I don't want any kind of points being left on the table. And I'll say this again. Uh, I said at the beginning of the show when I got on and we were flexing our Minshew muscles here on a Minshew Monday on ESPN 690. Hey, by the way, is that copywritten yet? No. Well, there you go. I might have to check with his people. Trying to help you out. Yeah, that's a good idea. Trying to help you out, man. That's very good. You're welcome. We'll get on that after the show. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I think if you, again, what's there to criticize? He's 19 for 20, three touchdowns. If you're like, well, he only threw 473 yards. Was it a little bit of a mirage? Were they so efficient? Did they get some help? Here's the thing. you got to remember I think you'll see a little more of the deep ball because he throws the deep ball well. Look at his numbers last year. That was a good number for him. Wasn't it up like with Russell Wilson and, and some other Patrick Mahomes yep. when we did some of the stats on Gardner Minshew? I mean, he's not afraid to throw the deep ball. I think they'll extend it. I just think Jay Gruden didn't need it much. Now, Keelan Cole, that's considered a pretty good ball deep. And also, uh, uh, Chark got called for the interference. That was deep. Gave him a chance. So that wasn't even a great throw, really. But uh, anyway, I think... They'll open it up a little bit more when they need to. I do think you're right. You gotta, if you embrace the Minshew guy that runs around sometimes, creates and makes plays, then you have to also be okay with the guy that sometimes might lose the football, sometimes might force a play, and no, he didn't do that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a guy that might earn himself a sack for holding on the ball. Yep. I mean, that you it comes with the territory. You can't have it both ways. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has been fun, fumbling the football in the pocket for a long time, but he also makes a heck of a lot of football plays because he holds on to the ball and fights defenders off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's made a career of that, and he's deadly because of that. And people don't bring up the fumbles and, and bad plays very much. Mm-hmm. The other thing about Minshew, man, is they're starting to get a label. It's not the Minshew mania. Hopefully Minshew Monday becomes a thing on ESPN 690 because that's a big, that means they're winning. Mm -hmm. But it's the moxie. It's the Minshew moxie. There's a belief now, I think even outside of the building, here in town, like, you know what? I kind of like this guy with the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I kind of like when I think I something good is going to happen. I think he has seven wins in his career now. He, I know that. And I think he has four comeback wins, four fourth quarter comebacks. I mean, that's a nice little trend. That that means I can get stuff done in the clutch. That's the moxie we're talking about, a little magic. People believe in that stuff inside the locker room, and it filters outside the locker room, too. I think that's a very nice thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars to have in their quarterback, a belief in their quarterback. When was the last time a 53-man roster in the locker room or 52 others believed in the guy that is throwing the football for this team. And I mean wholeheartedly believed in him. I mean, for me, it was Dave Grar. You let him go. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll ask Poor you this, luncheon. man. And I love DG. 
And I would still question whether even everybody thought DG was the right guy. I wonder. Now, you were in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, so, we, we trusted him. Yeah, but. so and you're probably right, and yeah. that's probably the most fair answer to that. But you have to go back a decade almost to find that. Yeah. And that, think about it. That's amazing. I mean, yes, people are going to say we believe in Bortles over the years and Foles coming in. But and, you have, to earn, and, and you have to earn that, though. But this guy has. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it was on Jaguars.com, the post game. And he dropped some F-bombs in there, and he's love like, this is just one win. Love love my quarterback dropping F-bombs. If you watch, love and, and PCAV and Dave DeKins, you'll like this. If you watch that on Jaguars.com, go check it out. And you're talking about a guy who has now made 13 starts in the NFL, who is breaking down your team, and there is no doubt he's the man on this football team. That is a good, good thing right now for this football team, for this franchise. I don't know how long it lasts, if I'm being honest. Well, and listen, and this is what I like. I, I started with this, the show with this today for the opening segment. I like the fact that, once again, he's making strides. Like He understands now that he's the man. Nick Foles is gone. Okay, there's not a competition anymore. There's not any drama anymore. There's not like, well, I got to No, you, you've earned your stripes. All right. You're the general now. Go out there and take care of business. And so far, Garner Minshew is doing exactly that. But you get this sense that his teammates on this team right now, they love to play for the guy. Right. Because that's what I want out of my quarterback. I want like, you know, for some reason where the, the media was crucial to Garner Minshew for one game. I want LaVisca Chenault. I want DJ Tark to be in tears wearing shades saying that's my quarterback. A la uh, Trell Owens and must be Tony Romo when he's in the Dallas or whatever. When T.O. was crying over Tony Romo because people were being mean to him. I love that, man, because it showed you just how much Terrell Owens cared about Tony Romo. I get the sense that the guys around in this locker room would do the same thing for Garner Minshew right now. And a guy who's going on a second season, who's literally played one full, well, not even a full season, who's played however many games and then one game this year. That says a lot. And I get the vibe that he is now officially the man of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and that is that's a big thing, though. You know, at least for this season, uh, that's a big deal for this organization because, again, you you don't know what he is exactly. You don't know how great he's going to be, but it's important that the team believes in him. And I know that sounds silly, and everybody says they're bought in, but you know there are whispers over the last decade about every quarterback they've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, and because of Foles got hurt, it was mature Foles. There was divide last year in the locker room. Bortles, there's always been division uh, about – should we believe in this guy or not? Mm-hmm. And we know Gabbert, it was blind faith because he never earned any of it, quite frankly. So he, he just earned it again yesterday. That's a big moment, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for Gardner Minshew. I think it's a big moment for him with Jay Gruden. How much did he just earn in terms of respect and trust from his offensive coordinator? Because it's the first time Gruden has seen him do it right in front of his eyes. Yeah. Now, and I said this too before, but be careful because I also praised John D. Filippo right away too of how well he worked with Minshew, and then we saw how that kind of turned out towards the end in terms of the red zone and things like that. But after one game, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from Gruden. Yeah. Well, that was in in fairness, that ended up being more on D. Filippo. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're gonna hope Gruden continues to call good games and work with strengths and. And doesn't get into the funk, I guess, Filippo did. But you are right. We thought Filippo did a good job early on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, listen, I, I I just think that's what this year is all about. And Gardner Minshew is off to a heck of a start. A heck of a start. Uh, I, I think we are all lying if we know, okay, where's this going uh, with, with Minshew? Can he do this all the time? Unfortunately for him, 
<clears throat> he's going to have to. I get real emotional talking about Mitchie on a Mitchie Monday. Uh, I guess so. He is going to have to continue to pile games on. Mm-hmm. And I guess the next step for Minshew, because last year lacked consistency, will be can he do it week in, week out? This is his team. He's going to get the starts. He doesn't have the Foles thing, and he's not trying to learn a system now. He's in the middle of a season like he was. He's got some weapons that are familiar with him. This is his team. They're looking for him to make plays. I guess that next step, can you go back out to Tennessee on the road, a team that quite frankly, this full organization hasn't played against well recently, and go play a good football game. I'm not saying you have to be perfect in 19 for 20, but go play a good football game and keep piling up consistent performances. But keep in mind, though, a lot of players in the locker room right now don't give a crap about the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and Tennessee that's a Titans. Thing. And that's a great thing. They don't understand right now that the Tennessee Titans are essentially the big brother to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the AFC South. They don't understand that. And sometimes ignorance can be absolute bliss. So with that being said... It's almost like they have a clean slate right now against the Titans. Like, yeah, obviously the Titans fans will let you know about it and they'll go on Twitter and let you know about it and all that stuff. But the players in that locker room, they're not really educated. I mean, they might be. I mean, Doug Rowe might bring it up. But I'm just saying they haven't had to endure the big brother of the Tennessee Titans. So it's a clean slate. Now, you got a clean slate. Let's see what you got, though. That's fun talking about Gardner Minshew getting it done here on a Monday on ESPN 690. We call it a Minshew Monday after a Jags win. <laughs> we have some fun. One and zero, Jacksonville Jaguars. Tennessee plays tonight. They'll get a good look at that. Then they go to Nashville next week. Hey, what happened the rest of the NFL? Tom Brady, Cam Newton. Who was the story of the weekend? And it wasn't just the Jags, by the way. When was the last time the Jags, Raiders, Cardinals, Washington all won on the same day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the NFL stuff to predict, man. Don't bet on the NFL, people. I've been trying to tell you. Don't do it. We talk a little NFL. We talk Austin's fight at the TKO in the first round. I need a belt. <laughs> and a big thanks for everybody from the Action Sports Shack Stream 18 today at the golf club at Southampton. It's been quite a day, quite a couple of days. It's a lot of fun. Let's keep it up. One more segment to go on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Well, listen, if we wanted to just bump WWE by like a half hour or a few minutes, yeah. we should have just rolled your your highlight tape. Oh. Austin Lane. Oh, and there it is. And now Brent's playing ball. All of a sudden, Chapman throwing some high heat at me. Watch out for that suspension, Brent. Real quick, though. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, served us well today is that we all have so much belief in each other. Um, you know, whether it's me and them or them and me, um, I think when you have that, you can trust people to do their jobs. And, um, you know, everybody can focus on their own. And I'm, I'm really proud of how we played. I really think that, uh, you know, we're just scratching the surface. That's the man right there. It's a Minshew Monday on ESPN 690. Fred Martin, Austin Lane, Coos. Hey, let's start here. Big thanks to everybody for coming out to the Action Sports Shacks Dream 18. Uh, thanks to all our sponsors and Cadillac and Lofts is Ron Scholes and Jacksonville Giants and Best Bet and Florida Georgia Windows and Doors. And so many others, uh, the local sports teams that have always supported it over the last few years as we made it a sports celebration. We had so many different vendors out there, food-wise, cool. Moe's and Jumpin' Jack's House of Food, uh, Front Porch Kettle Corn, Mambo's was awesome. Uh, everything's so good. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Metro, Metro Diner. Diner. Uh, 
I said Jumpin' Jack's House of you, Food. You, you Mr. Have, Chubby's Wings. You got those donuts out there? Mini Bar. Mini Bar. Uh, Sta Nutrition. Yep. Smoothie King. Mouth is watering right now. It was good. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I only had the, the tea, which I got amped up off of. <laughs> That's from Stoddard Tristan. Yeah. It tastes good. Yeah, I think it was like, I drank it. I'm like, I'm good. okay, well, that, there's sugar to my, you know, to my uh, fast. Like, I was doing intermittent fasting. Yeah. Sugar, right off the bat. Then I, I go to the guy, because that's how I am. He's like, oh, there's no sugar in this. I'm like, all right, it's Are pretty you good. Sure? It's a pretty good beverage you have here, then. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, but no, it's a great event, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. A lot of fun. Uh, the weather actually did hold off today, but my goodness, it, it had rained a lot the last week. And uh, thanks to the golf club at Southampton for putting up with. A lot of golfers on a, on, on a lot of rain, uh, and a soft, soft track. Uh, but the golf course looked good. We just got to get it dried out a little bit. And, uh, they were actually didn't even have cart path only the entire way. I mean, only on, I think, six of the holes. So, uh, that was pretty good. And, uh, gonna raise probably even in a, a pandemic year close to 25,000 this year. We always shoot to about twenty-five, thirty thousand $30,000. This isn't a hundred thousand dollar golf tournament. It's not what we do. Try to have a good day, raise some money for St. Michael's soldiers celebrating their 10th year and for North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. And so now all told, I think, uh, what we'll have raised probably close to or over $150,000, uh, for local charities since the Dream 18 concept was born. So uh, pretty cool uh, and, and a lot of gratitude uh, on my part for everybody that helps. Got to give a, a shout-out to uh, all the folks here that, that help us uh, promote it and also uh, put up with me for talking about it a lot. And uh, Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson out there all day. Olivia Tassley really helped out a bunch uh, this year, and we had some great volunteers along the way. Um, especially, uh, my wife, <laughs> Steph, yeah. she was there all day to help out. So a uh, bunch of thanks and, and too many to, to, I could go on and on and on, but we do appreciate it. Uh, Hey, want to get into your fight? Yeah. What's, uh, we got a belt, got a belt it's coming, coming in a couple it, weeks, coming, coming in the mail. And, uh, tell us about the fight, man. I was jacked up. I was fired up. I was like, all yeah, of a sudden yeah. it was like around nine o'clock, nine 30. Yep. And I start looking, I'm like, Hey, I wonder, he should be fighting soon. Mm-hmm. And I actually was about to reach out to Cody. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, hey, were you getting a play by play or something? Because this <laughs> thing is not anywhere. Like, I can't find I know, people tweeting yeah, about it. Yeah. Like, how is this in this world? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you seriously texted me. Yeah. First round TKO. That a baby. Got yeah. it done. Yeah. Well, the, the best part was so, uh, so it's like a group text, right? So I, I kind of copy paste it. First round TKO. First round TKO. Yeah, yeah. So I tweeted that to my wife, Cody. She's like, well, did you win or did you lose? Because <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> you know, he and didn't like, say it, but I kind yeah, of assumed well, yeah, that he would. Like, hey, I'm not going to brag about getting knocked out in the first <laughs> round. Yeah, so like I had to reassure my wife, like, yeah, I won. We're all good to go. Yeah, listen, it, it was a great fight. Um, you know, I mean, uh, listen, I can go into super depth about what happened, stuff like that, but I'll kind of try to keep it as short as possible here. So uh, usually in a fight, Brent, there's three phases. There's the, the first phase, which is kind of like the kicking range, right, like where you're both on the outside. There's phase two where you can each punch each other in the face. Like There's that range. And there's phase three where it's like you guys are up close and personal and you're throwing elbows and things like that. The whole plan of this whole fight was to go phase one, right? Stay long. This guy's a little bit shorter. They call him boom for a reason. He's got some power in his hands, so stay long. So immediately I come out, and that's what I do. And and, and the mental gymnastics that you can put yourself through planning for a fight is unreal, right? Because, I mean, I had my game plan in mind, but also I was trying to look at, like, what is his game plan going to be? Like, what do I think he's going to do? So I went back and I watched a lot of my fights, and then I noticed that in every one of my fights, I start things off with a leg kick. So I'm like... If I'm a betting man, I bet he's going to think I'm going to throw a leg kick to start things off with. 
Well, I was right. And keep in mind, so there there are fans at this venue, but it was very it was like a smaller fan base just because of COVID and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I could hear his corner the whole time. It was kind of weird and kind of eerie. You can hear like the corners interesting yeah. the entire time, right? So as I come out, I hear his corner goes, "Get ready for it, here it comes." And I heard that I'm like, he thinks the leg kick's coming. So I made it a habit of like fainting. I was going to kick him and start throwing punches. That kind of threw him off a little bit. So after that, then, you know, we kind of go back and forth a little bit and we end up getting against the fence and I took him down. And that's the point in the fight where I knew like we're good to go because two things happened in that instance. Number one, I felt his strength. Okay. And to be fair, he had a bad weight cut. He almost didn't make weight. So I knew he was going to be a little weak and probably not feel a hundred percent. And number two, he tried to throw a punch before that. And I saw it like in slow motion. Like there's sometimes in a fight, if you're sparring, where you're sparring somebody, you're fighting somebody, and you can't really get a gauge on where the punches are coming from. I saw the punch coming from my way. I'm like, I got this. I'm, I'm already locked in. I'm ready to roll. So immediately, my confidence at an all-time high. I take him down. I try to go for my bread and butter head and arm choke. Didn't quite have it, so I had a decision to make. I have a head and arm choke right now. It's called a triangle choke for people at home. And I have my head and arm choke. How that works is basically I choke him with his own arm uh, across his face. Okay. The cool thing about this choke is that my ear is right next to his mouth. So usually when you choke somebody in the submission, you can hear him gurgle like, oh, and you know you have it tight. So you go for the finish there. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So the bad part about this choke, though, is that you can gas your arms out if you don't have it. Uh. So I knew I didn't have it completely, right? Because he was kind of a bigger guy. My arm wasn't quite around his neck, but I'm like, I got to go for it here. It feels too good. So I started to squeeze. And I started to squeeze. I don't hear it gurgle. I'm like, is he poker facing me? Is he already unconscious or is he just not feeling this? So I squeeze a little more. I'm like, this isn't working. So I, I have to abandon ship right now. So I abandon ship. We stand back up. And then, like I said, the whole goal, me and my coach went over this like a million times in our in our training camp, stay at phase one, right? Stay at the distance. Be long. Be an athlete. Let him come to me. Nope. Hockey fighting, man. Uh, I mean, I'm inside, <laughs> and we're both swinging for the fences. May the best man win. And uh, thankfully, I caught him on the button with an uppercut. He kind of like went out for a second. He was still standing up. The ref jumped in, and then he called the fight from there. Now, my reaction to this is, keep in mind, like, there's nothing better than a fight, right? I mean, like, playing football was great, but after you win a fight, after all the work you put in, like, there's so much adrenaline flowing through you. It's awesome. And I just kind of stood there like, dang, man. Like, I had something else in mind for him. Like, you're going to stop the fight. So I was actually upset. The crowd, which was in his backyard, started booing me now, right? So they're upset because they thought the, 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 the fight uh, ended too soon. I think he felt like he got saved a little bit because, like I said, he was kind of out in his feet a little bit. So I think he felt like it was an okay stoppage. But I said, like, man, I wish we could have went a little longer. Like, I, you know, I had more for you, let's just say. So the whole time, the crowd's booing me. Now, in the... <laughs> In the pre-fight meeting, there was, you know, they go through the rules and everything, and you can't hit a ground and a point with your knee, all that good stuff, right? It's a bunch of, you know, boring stuff. But a big point that a promoter, Andy, made to me, he's like, whatever you do, do not get on the microphone if you win and swear. Because we have some very important people in the building, because I guess, like, for they extended some invitations to, like, some senators or some governors and stuff like that. So there's, like, a bunch of important people in the audience, and they want to come across as professional and family-friendly. So I get on the microphone, and, you know, me being humble, I respect my opponents. Like, uh, I sing his praises. Um, I thank my teammates, things like that, and I'm done. There's a guy in the audience that keeps, and I can hear him because, once again, it's, it's weird how it's set up. So I can hear everything this guy is saying, and let's just say he had a couple of choice words to say to me. So the announcer's like, all right, I'll sing, everybody. And I go, give me that microphone. And I take the microphone out of the <laughs> announcer's hand, and I'm like this. 
you, and this, I'm not, I, I gotta censor it for our radio show as well. But I'm like, hey, you, you can be mad at me for how this fight ended, okay? I wanted this fight to go on. I wanted blood. I wanted violence. I didn't get that. I'm upset too. And then I go, but if you got a problem with me, and I point to the guy that's like literally talking the most smack to me, so it's this older gentleman, I have a bigger guy, and I point to him and go, if you have a problem with me, feel free to add a little bit of weight and meet me in here in a couple weeks, and we can we can bring him back for the belt if you want to. But now keep in mind, I swore a little bit. <laughs> And I had a few choice words for him. Immediately I say that, and I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, I give the mic back, and I walk out. First thing I do, first thing I do, go to the promoter, like, dude, I'm sorry for swearing. He's like, are you kidding me? That was the best thing I've ever seen. I'm oh, like, all right, cool, cool. So he, so he was happy with it. He was happy with it. But overall, man. Uh, man, you've been watching too much AEW. I know, man. I know, man. Got in my skin a little bit. Well, I'm so fired up. I didn't get the finish that I wanted. People were talking smack to me in the crowd. I had no choice. So then after that, so they had the wrong belt. So apparently they ordered the belt, but unfortunately it wasn't the right one. So they actually had to use uh, Boom Gordon, my opponent. They had to use one of his belts for, like, quote-unquote, the state, you know, championship. So they put it around me. I took a picture with it. Then after that, well, it has to go back to Boom Gordon. So they're making me a special belt. It's going to be a custom-made one. They're going to mail it, and I'll bring it in and show it off. Nice. Yeah, Got man. the win. Got I the win. you're disappointed, part. in a sense, in the win because you wanted a little more. I know, dude. I, 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 was, I was really – exactly. And it's funny, too, because even my coach was like, hey, man, you just won. You're okay, right? Like it'll come to you. I'm like, oh no, I understand what just happened. I just, <laughs> I just kind of visualized it going a different way. Like it was kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't really big. Like I went out with a bang. It was kind of like, yeah, it's over. I, it, you know, what sometimes hits me on this show, sitting here with Austin Lane, is us how different of a world we live in at times. <laughs> like I just can't get into that. I, I can't get into your mind in a fight. I have a hard time. Thankfully, I don't have to. Yeah. Well, and then, then the cool part was, too, man, so it's probably the best I felt before a fight. And I hope there's a picture on me. But when I walk in the cage, I have the biggest smile on my face. Really? Because, right? I mean, there's always confident. nerves. Yeah, 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 there's always nerves before. But I'm just like, dude, I'm going to have some fun. Like, this is, yeah. I, I seriously enjoy it. I wish everybody could experience the feeling of putting the work in and getting a win and, you know, knocking the dude out and things like that. Um, there's nothing better in the world, man. I'm telling you. Good so, for you, yeah, man. It was awesome. Congrats, Proudy. Thank good you very win. much. Put a lot of work into it. Get the W. And now we want to see the belt. Yeah. Hey, that was a lot of fun. It's a Minshew Monday. We do this if the Jags win. Minshew Monday. We'll see if it happens next week as well. We'll be back on Tuesday. Probably look a little more but like we usually do. <laughs> All right, Jags I Report mean, Live. But yeah, you? Jags Report Live makes its debut tonight uh, from the studio, 7 o'clock on CBS 47. We talk more Jags on TV. They got a doubleheader of football ahead of you as well. We'll talk more about the NFL as a whole uh, coming up tomorrow for sure. Thanks for hanging with us, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the day. Happy Monday. And Austin Lane, I'm Brett Marco. We'll see you on TV tonight. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com.